You're listening to a classic business podcast as heard on Classic 1027. 1027. Sunlum released the results of its 40th benchmark survey this week. and The research really showed the deep impact that COVID-19 had on the retirement industry and members with 27% of standalone retirement funds and 41% of umbrella funds employers having suspended retirement fund contributions last year. And that all resulted in an average suspension across all fund types of four and a half months. I'm joined now by Avishal Seath, who's head of Sunlum Umbrella Solutions. Avishal, welcome to the show. The survey really is, as the name suggests, the benchmark. I mean, the 40th year of the survey. For this particular cohort, just take me through the size and the scope of uh, this year's survey. Hi, Mike. Thanks so much. And you know, thanks for having us uh, on the show. Yes, 40 years, it's a massive year for Sunlam Benchmark, given that we've been driving thought leadership and collaboration for 40 years in the industry. I mean, this year we surveyed 90 standalone funds, 10 standalone union funds, and 100 employers that participating in, in umbrella funds as well. And uh, yeah, it's just amazing the, the insights that we get every single year. You think that the retirement industry is boring and it doesn't move that quickly and things don't change that much. But obviously in recent times, there's been a lot happening in terms of legislation yeah. and obviously the pandemic has also had its own effect. Absolutely. And, you know, the so-called McCarthy reforms that became the, the defaults that were finally introduced, uh, I think one of the biggest changes that we've seen in the defined contribution era. What impact has the introduction of the defaults had on member behaviour? That's a great question. So defaults were introduced in 2019, Mike, and uh, the perception from our respondents to the survey the majority of them actually haven't seen a massive change in member behavior. What is positive is that they've seen that many members are taking up benefit counseling. And this is critical for us because benefit counseling is kind of the glue that holds the default regulations together. Mm-hmm. You can have the default regulations in terms of default preservation, default annuitization, and, and uh, default investment portfolios. But if it's not backed by effective benefit counseling that informs members, educates members, and helps them make the right decision, then it's really not going to be effective. So benefit counseling for us is key, and proactive benefit counseling that really assists members in making the right decision. Well, that's very interesting. So you're actually seeing where members are choosing to seek the counsel of a a benefit counsellor, that they are improving their decision-making, that they're making better decisions, because that's always been the major critique of this move from defined benefit to defined contribution, is that we went from uh, perhaps an overly paternalistic to a very laissez-faire type retirement situation. And retirement fund members, when left to their own devices, just weren't making the best decisions. They were making very short-term, very knee-jerk responses to this long-term retirement journey. Uh, Take me through the impact that the Retirement Benefits Council is having on the choices that members are taking. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I think what we as an industry missed when defined benefit funds uh, changed to defined contribution, or when we moved into the defined contribution environment, is this need for education uh, for our members in that we're actually transferring all this responsibility onto members and we haven't empowered them to make the right decisions around this big responsibility that now lies on their shoulders. So that's what benefit counselling is attempting to do. And effective benefit counselling looks at proactively engaging with members at critical points. So say, for example, when a member resigns from one employer and moves to another employer, it's important that there's a proactive solution in, in, in place where a counsellor can contact that member and encourage them to preserve 
because of the risks of not preserving, namely that you have to start saving from zero for your retirement. What we've seen in the Sanama Bella Fund is that we're members that have been uh, counseled have been much more likely to actually preserve. And this is something that we're building on through our benefit counseling service. And we've seen great outcomes for members and members outcomes actually improving mm. as a result of counseling versus those members that haven't been counseled. Overall, uh, what impact did the pandemic have on members of retirement funds? And I said in the introduction that we saw uh, on average a, a four and a half month um, contribution uh, um, window or, or holiday that was provided by employers. But did members uh, choose to stay invested? Uh, did we see uh, the numbers of, of, of churn in the labour force that's so represented in the quarterly labour force survey reflected in the retirement fund numbers? Just tell me what happens from that perspective. Yeah, Mike, look, uh, I think uh, we, we tend to forget easily um, that, and we forget easily probably because so much has happened in the last 12 months. But prior to COVID, the South African economy really wasn't in a good position already. And once the pandemic hit, I think it just exacerbated the, 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 the current economic difficulties that we've had. We've seen that many employers have been forced to close their doors, the retrenchments, the reduction in salaries, those kinds of things. And unfortunately, the pressure has been felt by these members that have been forced to exit employment. So the immediate need is clearly there. The lack of employment opportunities is also there. And because of that, we have seen an increase in members actually uh, accessing their retirement benefits when exiting employment. And in terms of the, the trends, we, we did see a trend prior to COVID of a consolidation in the industry. Uh, fewer standalone funds, uh, more umbrella funds and getting the benefits of the economies of scale and everything that umbrella funds do tend to bring. What impact did the pandemic have on that pre-existing trend? So our premise is that the pandemic is actually going to continue to accelerate accelerate that level of consolidation. And the reason we're saying that is because we've seen more and more employers wanting to focus on their core business activities during this very difficult time of the pandemic. And, and they want their employees also to focus on core business activities and just try and stay profitable or, or earn income or just keep the employment levels up. And they don't want their employees really to be looking at retirement fund matters necessarily are spending lots of time on that. And because of that, we do think that it will accelerate the level of consolidation. There's also employees that have had to reduce their, their workforce, which may make, make them reconsider moving into umbrella funds. So we do believe the pandemic will con- uh, mm. actually contribute to the level of consolidation. The other big talking point in the retirement industry has obviously been Regulation 28 and uh, we finally had uh, the uh, the proposed amendments published uh, for public comment uh, and, and while some may quibble over the definition of, of infrastructure, what is uh, public or private infrastructure, largely welcomed. Uh, what did your survey reveal about the, the uh, discussion that we're having around Regulation 28? So we actually asked uh, standalone funds and employers in umbrella funds you know, how likely they would be to invest in infrastructure and what percentage of this of the fund assets they they, they place in infrastructure. Six point six percent of uh, standalone funds or, or of standalone funds they say that they're willing to invest on average six point six percent of the assets in infrastructure. Umbrella funds that number is closer to five percent. Now, it may seem like a small amount, but it translates to about at least $300 billion in, in assets, which is significant. It doesn't fill the, 
the plug of the 1.7 trillion yeah. funding gap that that mm-hmm. exists for infrastructure investment. But I think that there's a there's a bit of hesitancy around it because there is a lack of education around infrastructure investing that we must address with boards of trustees. And it's critical that we address it, especially in a country like South Africa, because infrastructure is the future of the country. And we all actually want to invest in something. We want to invest in a future worth retiring into. And if we don't invest in infrastructure, then that future may not be the future that we want to retire into. So it's critical that we kind of focus our energies and refocus on understanding infrastructure, making sure that there's opportunity, there's investable funds that make sense for boards of trustees to, to mm. invest into infrastructure. And, and I, I think that's critical that we po- focus on this going forward. Especially at a time when uh, ESG investing is such a, a critical component of uh, most investment mandates as well. Uh, and what could tick all of those boxes better than uh, building a power station, a new school, a new road, network industries that help unlock the economy and, as you say, make South Africa a better country to retire into. Avishal Seath, Head of Sunlum Umbrella Solutions, uh, with insights into the 40th Sunlum Benchmark Survey. Uh, Real kudos to Sunlum for keeping the Benchmark Survey at uh, the real zenith of the retirement industry research uh, for four decades.